Hey guys, it's Dawn and I wanted to let you know about a new space I'm creating called What's the Truth Community. If you experience trauma in childhood, the truth can be really elusive. In toxic families, the truth of what goes on behind closed doors is hidden. And I speak to people every day who are only just now beginning to discover the truth of who they really are years later because we were given so many false beliefs about ourselves. Nobody loves you. You should be ashamed. You'll never amount to anything. All the lies are manipulation within toxic family homes. But each belief that gets filed away in your subconscious mind is so powerful. Each belief changes every choice you make and that can change the entire direction of your life. If you are ready to create a beautiful life for yourself, come and join me in the What's the Truth community. By sharing truth, we are learning to step out of the fog and see what is the truth of your life so far. Because once you can see it, you can fix it. We are going to be talking about truth so that you can finally live in peace, freedom and authenticity. In the What's the Truth membership, you will have access to subscriber-only episodes, all ad-free and all for the cost of a cup of coffee a month. This is the most important community you will become a part of this year. If you listen via the Apple Podcasts app, you can sign up right there in the app. And if you listen on any other platform, you can sign up via Supercast. It's super easy and the links are in the show notes. This is your safe space. I'm so excited for you to join me. I'm talking about how we should parent as students and not parent as teachers. Most parents go into the parenting realm with their book bag and their clipboard and their chalkboard to teach the child. But the truth is that the child comes to you as a stranger. And what do you do with strangers? You learn everything from the stranger about them. You learn everything about the stranger from them. You don't impose your thoughts and belief processes on any stranger, do you? So if we look, if we approach our kids that way, it's a whole different ballgame. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me, I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls and the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives and that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you, what makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story, what happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city.
Hey my beautiful friend, do you suffer from depression? Symptoms of depression are not always obvious. You might feel constantly tired. You might be low in energy, low in motivation. You might have constant feelings of anxiety or worry, feelings of sadness or feeling constantly guilty about everything. If this sounds like you, take a look at Destroy Depression. It's a treatment plan that works regardless of your symptoms or your age. It's a totally drug-free, straightforward plan that explains everything you need to know about eliminating depression step by step. Destroy Depression helps you dominate your depression. It helps you take back control over your symptoms and it comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee so you really have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Click the link in the show notes to find out more about how Destroy Depression can help you because you really do deserve to live your life free from the symptoms of depression. Hey, my beautiful friends. Do you have an important story to share? If you do, the link to contact me is in the show notes. When I went through depression, the best way I can describe that time in my life is an absence of joy. I just remember thinking, I don't feel anything anymore. I don't feel high or low. I don't feel happy or sad. I just feel numb. I remember feeling desperate to feel something. Even the smell of the flowers in my neighborhood during spring, a smell that would normally make me feel a sense of joy every year just felt like nothing. This week on the Heal blog, I'm sharing with you 18 signs you may be depressed. Sometimes we just don't realize that what we are going through is depression. The link to this blog post is in the show notes. Dr. Lulu spoke with her father as a young child and she told him she liked girls. Her father told her this was just a phase and that she would get over it. Dr. Lulu went on to get married and have a family and it wasn't until her marriage ended in divorce that she took the opportunity to explore this part of her sexuality. Dr. Lulu's child went to Princeton University and it wasn't until she heard the pronouns they, them for the very first time referencing her own child at the graduation ceremony that she saw into the world of binary and transgender. Dr. Lulu struggled to understand what this meant and to accept it. And she realized that if she struggled with this concept as an LGBTQ plus herself, many parents would also be struggling. Dr. Lulu is an award-winning LGBTQ plus educator, and she is teaching parents who are struggling with accepting their LGBTQ plus child What are the steps they need to take towards becoming the parent their child needs? This is Dr. Lulu's story. Dr. Lulu, welcome to the podcast. You are a pediatrician, an educator, a life coach, and a mum. You work in the area of youth suicide prevention, and you are passionate about helping parents of LGBTQ plus children on their journey to better understanding their child. You grew up in Nigeria and you describe yourself as the first child and having to do everything right. Tell us about who you felt you needed to be growing up. 
Well, thank you for the space in the podcast. I think I, I want it to be me. That's the short answer. But like most children, I wanted to be the child that my parents were proud of. And that's across the board. I don't know any child that doesn't want that because you say, mommy, look, see, I did it because you want that affirmation. So I wanted to be me, but I also wanted to be the child that my parents were like, oh, you did, you did great. High five or whatever. You know, that's, that's a normal child. So that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be myself, but also I wanted to make sure that I was, I made my parents proud, which is funny because the, my next TED talk comes up in about two and a half weeks. And I'm talking about that. I'm talking about how we should parent as students and not parent as teachers. Most parents go into the parenting realm with their book bag and their clipboard and their chalkboard to write on the, to teach the child. But the truth is that the child comes to you as a stranger. And what do you do with strangers? You learn everything from the stranger about them. You learn everything about the stranger from them. You don't impose your thoughts and belief processes on any stranger, do you? So if we look, if we approach our kids that way, it's a whole different ballgame. So I want parents to start thinking about that. What if, what if my child is already a whole human being with their likes and their dislikes and you know what I mean? Including spinach, you know, how many parents can get their toddler to eat spinach? Mm. If they don't want to eat the spinach, baby, you cannot make them eat the spinach. Mm. Yet we're like, well, eat it is good for you. Okay. Good luck mm. with that. Yeah. So I wanted to, to be the, the child that my parents were proud of. I think I, I think I pulled that off as much as I could for the most part. And uh, yeah, so we're here now. Yeah. And I just love that about being the student because we, as parents, we do come in and, and, you know, and I've heard people tell me that they've been forced to sit at a table for 12 hours until they would eat something that was on the table. You know, it's terrifying, isn't it? It's absolutely it's terrifying. terrifying. It's very traumatizing. Mm. And the children do not forget. No. Children do not forget. I did not forget my childhood traumas. You did not forget. And even if both of us forget, our bodies do not forget. There's a whole book called The Body Keeps the Score. Our bodies do not forget. Trauma is everlasting. Even if it's just eat your spinach. But let me tell you what's more traumatizing. The words, hug your uncle. We'll say hello to that stranger. He's a nice man. Is he though? You don't know what he's done to the kid. That happened to me when I was nine. One of our, not even a stranger at this point, one of our family friends actually assaulted me, I guess, for lack, for lack of a better word. But he was known to the family. Yeah. He wasn't even a stranger. Everybody knew him. He was, oh, he's such a nice guy. But I was nine and he was like, I don't know, 21 or whatever age he was. To a nine-year-old, he was just he was just older. That's all I know. He was grown. And so that picture of sitting at the table for 12 hours is real. And so is the picture of go hug your uncle. What do you mean you're not going to hug your uncle? Stop being rude. Don't embarrass me. See why I said that? I wanted to be a child that my parents will be proud of. So children do that. I'll do whatever it takes. I just want my mom to be proud of. My kid told me that. She said she excelled in academics. She got a full freaking scholarship to freaking Stanford because she just wanted me to just see her. But I didn't. I still didn't. Yeah. 
And so it's not, um, I, I guess we're coming into the podcast already, like dropping heavy stuff, but that's life. Absolutely. But these children is life and death. So I, I, nobody has time for me and my little emotions because my child didn't want to hug my brother or the priest, heaven forbid, right? Or eat their spinach. And so the parents' emotions, feelings are hurt. Really? Grow up. Which one of us is the adult here? That's so true. That's what I had to learn. Mm. That's what I had to learn. So but I wanted to be that child that my parents were proud of. And I did everything to do it right until I didn't do it right. Yeah. The first really, really wrong thing I did was file for divorce from an abusive husband. My dad wouldn't hear of it. What, what do you mean? You're, we don't have anybody that's ever been divorced in our family, said my father. Mm. Knock on wood, he's been married to my mom for, I don't know, 55 years now. But my dad wasn't married to my ex-husband. I was. Yeah. And so I told him, I said, you did not raise a fool. If I'm asking for divorce, you better know that there's a good reason for that. Mm. And so that was the first quote unquote bad thing that I did in the sense, I didn't say my dad said it was bad. I'm just, I'm painting a picture here. I was the perfect child until I wasn't. And then I wasn't. And then I wasn't. And I'm like, you know what? We do not care because at one point you have to just be you, live for you. And that's what parents are missing. We think our kids are like meaning us. No, our kids are our kids and we are us. Yeah, it's so true. And you mentioned that sexual assault at age nine and there was another incident of rape at age 17. Yes, that was a medical school. I don't think my parents mm. have ever, ever heard that story before. My dad heard about, and I use my dad a lot. And I, my mom is also in the picture and we get along, but I just use my dad a lot in my stories because he was very present for me as a child, as the, the one parent that I really identified with was my, was my dad. So, yeah, my dad hasn't heard about that. I don't think. Maybe if he listens to this podcast, he will. But he heard about the nine-year-old assault at my TED Talk. When I did my TEDx talk, my dad found out during the TEDx talk and yeah. still didn't ask me about it. Because in Nigeria, our custom and our culture makes a U-turn when it comes to talking about assault and things like, it's like, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to discuss it. It's like, it didn't happen or did it, <laughs> you know? And then the child starts wondering, did it happen? Unfortunately in Nigeria, when something like that happens, if you tell the parents, you actually get punished or maybe worse. What are you doing there? Or, what, or you, you know, somehow they find it, which is why not only Nigeria, I mean, I'm a pediatrician, I know that. Only three to six percent of abuse victims report mm. across the world. Yeah, and that's part of that trying to fit in and be the child that your parents want you to be is they they don't even know these stories because we don't speak up, right? We don't. We don't speak up because society hushes us. It's not mm. because we don't want to. Yeah, it's, it's important. I always want anybody, whether an adult or a child, the reason the child does not speak up is because society doesn't give them permission. Look at what's happening to transgender people today in America. Society is taking away their permission, taking it away. So even if they had a little bit before that, it's like, no, give me that. Let me have that. I want it. It's mine. You cannot be who you are because I say so. Yeah. Isn't that what parents say? You can't go to hang out with your friends. Why mommy? Because I say so. 
Mm, which means nothing. <laughs> which means, thank you. It doesn't mean anything. You know, I want to do such as like, why do you want to do it? You can't do it. It's my house. Yeah. And what are you doing when you're doing that, by the way? You're making sure you're putting meals in the on the on the coffin. That's what you're doing. Now, in your mind, you are like the bomb. Yeah. Parents, I'm the, you know, I would say no nonsense. And then, but really what you're doing is driving your child away. I have learned this the hard way. Now, a lot of my kids have been driven away, but I know my ex-husband is 100% estranged from my eldest because of his decisions. As an adult, he made decisions that put a wedge between him and his kids. It is not funny. You don't get any brownie points for thinking you're the bomb. And then you surround yourself with parents who praise you as you do that, right? Yes, you're a good parent. Are you though? Yeah. Yes. And so at some point in your childhood, you decided to tell your father that you liked girls. Can you tell us about what happened then? It really wasn't a big drama. I, I was graduated from high school. And one of my, I went to an all-girls high school, which is when, I, which is now that I know better, I used to think that, and most people think that sexuality becomes prominent between the ages of nine and 11. That's what majority of people think. But now I know better. Sexuality actually begins at the age of two or three in infancy, sexuality, with just different subtle signs, different ways that children behave. And the, the sexuality is not about sex, which is what most people think. Sexuality is really about you and your likes. And then also people, it extends to people that you like and how you like them and why you like them and what about them you like. But it starts as children, liking starts from a baby, liking their mama. So sexuality begins in infancy. It becomes more prominent because our hormones start raging in adolescence, really. And so... One of the girls in the class, you know, wrote in my yearbook that she she thought I was homosexual. She wrote that in the yearbook. And I know my dad and I, like I said, were very close. And I knew my dad was going to read my book because I'm a poet. And I used to like, write a lot of poetry when I was younger. And I always wanted my dad, again, to see my poetry, to see my work. And so, you know, I knew he was going to look at the book because I had some, some of my poems in it and some essays that I wrote in it. I didn't know, I, I, I now looking back, I realized it was my own thoughts that found me, quote unquote, guilty because I don't even know if my dad ever saw that. But I was like, I'm going to tell you before you see it, you know? And uh, it wasn't like, oh my goodness, get out of my house. You know, I, I disown you. No, it was like, it's a phase. You know, a lot of women feel that way. It's going to go away, they'll come. Yeah. But it didn't. Even though I believed my dad at 16, you know, I was like, okay, maybe he's right. I've never been an adult before. Adults know these things. Mm. Maybe he's right. Now, the good news is I am bisexual. And one of the things I tell people is when I say the word bisexual, they hear promiscuous. They hear it. Because like, wait, 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 what do you mean? You, you know, I was like, I mean, I have an attraction, going back to sexuality, I am attracted to men as well as women. But like any kind of attraction goes, you might want to, work on that attraction and then make it get bigger or you might not. So because I'm bisexual, I can easily pass as heterosexual, but I choose not to. 
because I'm not heterosexual. And there's nothing wrong with either, but it's just like, that's not me. And so one of the things I'm going to talk about in the TED Talk is that while my dad was right, I mean, he, he knew everything I needed to thrive as a child. He also planned for me to get married to a man and have many children. And he, he got his wish up to a point, but he was wrong about my sexuality because I'm not heterosexual. And it's important that we know that the numbers will never be known fully, right? Because there'll always be some people who would choose to live stealth, S-T-E-A-L-T-H, which means they're not going to manifest that aspect of their lives because society frowns at it. Mm. And so I realized, yeah, I told my dad I liked girls and boys, but he only heard the boys. Again, as parents, we hear what we want to hear. Mm. So he was like, oh, it's a phase. You're going to grow out of it. It's fine. And I believed him until like 26 years later, I was not growing out of it. I was like, wait, wait a minute. So my dad wasn't as smart as I thought he was. Ooh. So my dad was actually human. Ooh. So my dad actually was not me, but two different people. And no matter how much he wanted to believe in his heart that he knew everything I needed, he doesn't. That's what I want parents to understand. And look at all the pain we'll save ourselves and our kids because the pain is both ways. Yeah, I totally get it. And so you did go on to get married. You had three children. And so throughout that time of being married, did you feel like you weren't ever yourself or how was it playing out for you? Because you weren't really able to express who you fully were. Oh, but I'm bisexual. So I was fully myself. Okay. And again, I'm not promiscuous. So when I'm with one person, I'm with the person. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you take a vow of marriage for. It, it does. It's not different just because I'm also attracted to women. I mean, just like I, I give this example all the time. People who are straight or heterosexual, when you're married, you're not busy thinking about someone else. It's the same thing. Sometimes people just have to break it down into chunks like that so they can listen and hear me. When you are heterosexual and you get married, you are naturally attracted to the opposite gender. That doesn't mean you're not going to be faithful to your husband or your wife. Just because you have an attraction, you are married. So you're doing what you're supposed to be doing with the one that you're with. You're not looking outside, whether you're straight or not, it doesn't matter. And so I love the work that I do because I help people see these little, little things that they think. Sometimes they just think, oh my gosh, she's bisexual. That means when I'm with my husband, I'm too busy. No. Because you that you're straight, when you're with your wife or your husband, you're not busy looking at other people either. It's an attraction. And I'm not promiscuous. And as a matter of fact, the studies have shown that the most promiscuous people on earth are heterosexual men. Mm -hmm. So I'm too busy having my kids. And being a mom, I'm having my own pediatric practice. Ain't nobody got time for that. I'm very fiercely monogamous. So if I'm dating you, I'm dating you. That's it. If I'm married to you, I'm married to you. So I was myself, very happily myself. After my divorce, I realized, you know, I'm actually still attracted to women. I've always been attracted to women. I said, you know what? Why not? Why not? I'm not breaking any rules. And so I said, you know, I'm going to go ahead and explore this is what I'm saying. That's the word I use. Let me explore this now. I'm no longer married. And my divorce had nothing to do with infidelity. It had more to do with abuse, which I don't expect anybody to stay in an abusive relationship, whether you're married to a man or a woman. 
Yeah. And so I decided to explore that a little bit and see, let's just out of curiosity, let's just see what is this really, what is this thing that I've, I've known I've been having since I was 11. Let's, let's lean in a little bit and take a closer look at it. And that's what happened. And I was like, okay, hmm, this is interesting. I like this person and I like that person. And, oh, I don't like that person. So, yeah. And so you speak of having your firstborn child and believing from the age of two or three years of age that they were also gay. How did yes. you how did you feel about that recognition? I have family members who are also gay. I mean, I have at least half a dozen that I know. So it's not a new thing. It was more of, oh my goodness, please let it not be because of the way the world will treat the child. So I was like, oh my God, please, please, please don't, don't, don't let him be gay. And I, the, the story I've made up, which is kind of funny, is that God is like, really? You really think that gay is the worst thing? I'm going to make Mikey? I got news for you, honey. And I was like, what? And God is like, try non-binary. I'm like, what the fuck is that, God? What, what, what is non-binary? And then God is like, well, you know what? Actually, I was just joking about non-binary. He's actually transgender. Like, no way. So I have to look at it that way because I'm a Black Nigerian Catholic woman. All of those boxes should be X marks the spot when it comes to being LGBT. And indeed, my ex-husband to this day believes that I turned the kid gay. How? Oh, my God. I was like, wait, wait, wait. There are two other kids you know. And... Uh, Ignorance is a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. Yeah. If you're ignorant, I feel sorry for you because you're not allowing yourself to see the light. He believes in his heart that I somehow, something I did made the child that way. It had to be something I did. You know that kind of, do you know what the kind of guilt that that imposes on you if you allow it? And so part of the reason why I was pushing back at the beginning was because I didn't want my ex-husband's words to be true. It's multifaceted. It's not just one thing. It's multifactorial. Most of the parents that I coach tell me the same thing. Oh, my husband thinks I, I, I made the child gay because I babied him or whatever, you know? They come up with these theories that are not true. And then I tell them, I say, you know what? I have a secret to tell you that like what? I said, if your child belonged to another parent, they will still be gay. Your child is gay, independent of you. Yeah. Sexuality is innate. You can't teach it to some. It takes a lot to change that kind of mindset. People are like, why, why, why are you doing this work? Well, why, why, why not? Who else is going to do it, though? I'm queer. My kid is. I have family members. Maybe your child is. So let's talk about it already. Because your kid wants you to talk about it. So that they can breathe. Yeah. So I'll talk about it. Yes. Yes. And it's really just everybody's conditioning, isn't it? I mean, that's why yes. everyone's trying to blame it on everybody else. It must be your fault. You've done this. I mean, everybody's just oh, like, haven't oh, done what, what are people going to think? And it's just like, if we could just pull all of that away and just actually all try and be ourselves and realize that we're just beautiful souls living on the earth yes. and Ah, it's it's so much mm. conditioning, isn't it? Everyone's just dripping yeah. in in shame and guilt. Yes, I love the word shame. It is a cloak that many of the parents that I work with 
carry along. Even the ones, see, this is the thing. Even the ones that appear to be affirming their kids still have a thin veil of shame. And so as soon as we stop worrying about what other people say, that's the beginning of everlasting life, I'm telling you. That is the beginning of wisdom. When you don't care, like, I, I don't know if people can cuss on your show. I, you know, I, I don't want to cuss and mess up your show. But there's a book that I was reading that's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Like, I used to do that. I used to give a fuck. Now it's like, I'm, I run out of fucks to give. Like, I don't care anymore. I have lived, I think, more than half of the time I'm going to be on earth. For the rest of the time, I want to just live my life. I want to... I want to talk to parents about this. Mm. It's not popular. My physician friends are like, well, why, why, why are you doing that? I said, because your child is gay. That's why I'm doing that. For your child's sake. So maybe you will hear me. I have a lot of physician friends who don't want to talk about, they don't want people to know that their kids are gay. Do you know that? Mm. Yes, I know one particular lady who, she doesn't want anybody to know her daughter is gay. Mm. She's a pediatrician. Wow. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's terrifying. And yes. we have so much permission now to, I mean, we've come so far, there's so far to go, but we've come so far and it's just, oh, it's just so sad because how is that child ever going to be how in is the, the world? Child, this is, thank you, because this is why the suicide rate is what it is. Mm. When it's not suicide, it's homicide. Black trans women are being murdered every single day. Well, you know, I'm going to, venture to say, I mean, mostly black trans women, but trans women of color is an extension because yeah, my child is a black trans woman. I don't want to write one single prescription of penicillin anymore when I can hopefully get people at work to, to look at her as a human being. And not every time she walks in the room, everybody's whispering and whispering. Do you know what that feels like? Mm. It's a terrible feeling. I wrote on my, on my LinkedIn the other day, I, you know, I started by saying, mom, I want to use the restroom again. That's the beginning of the, of, the, of the article because we're going down to Austin for my birthday a couple of weekends ago. And she, I was like, did you just use the restroom? She said, like, yeah, but I don't want to have to use the restroom when I get to Austin. That hit me really hard because we're planning to spend six to eight hours in Austin. You cannot hold your, your pee for that long. So I said to her, I said, we're going to use the restroom together. I want to see somebody try to talk to you about that. But I realized that 99% of the time, I'm not around her mm. to protect her from people thinking that she just wants to use the restroom. People thinking that, oh, she's going to go and molest them. Do you know that majority of molestations do not happen in the bathroom? The only thing that happens in the bathroom is consensual. That's one. Then number two, most people that want to molest you are not going to follow you into the bathroom. They'll follow you home. They'll take you to a different location, which is what happened with me. They're taking you all the way to the bathroom. Nobody has time for that. And so the point I'm trying to make is they've got it all, they've got it all wrong. Most bathrooms in the house are co-ed. Men can use it and women can use it in your home. Most bathrooms in the airport are co-ed. Men can use it and women can use it. All the bathrooms on the plane are co-ed. Mm. So what, if somebody wants to use the restroom, why is your mind thinking about molestation? Because we've been conditioned, like you said. Mm. Yeah, and that's a really good point. Yeah, they just want to use the restroom. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. I hadn't thought about that, that 
most bathrooms, you know, like you say, on planes and in so many places and in everybody's home, everybody uses the same damn bathroom. So, yeah. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? I'm telling you, it's terrible. And now I get it that at home, your family members, but you also have strangers come to your house. You have visitors come to your house. You don't say, oh, no, don't use that one. That's for girls. You don't say that. No, it's true. It's true. And the truth about it is most trans children are the victims in the bathrooms. They are the victims. Most trans adults are the victims in the bathroom. If they don't look fully feminine, if anybody suspects that they may very may just look a little masculine, it's over for them. Mm. They can get killed for going to use the bathroom. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. So that's why I have to do the work. When you first found out, I think it was at your child's graduation you heard the word non-binary for the first time. What, what did you, what did you feel in that moment? Because it wasn't something that you were associating with your child, was it? I never heard the word before. It wasn't even a matter of my child or not my child. I just never heard the word before. i never heard they, them pronouns and use, use, use for my child. Now I have to say that because since then, because I teach about this, now I know. And so what I'm going to tell you next is going to blow your mind. When you are walking down the streets, if you saw this flask, you would say someone lost their flask. You would use they, them, singular. We've been using it. It's not new. However, for my child, we haven't been using it. And so... I want people to to know that I recognize that mindset shift, but it doesn't make grammar incorrect. It makes society incorrect. And oh my God, hell to the no. God forbid that society can be wrong. But society has been wrong many, many times. Society told Galileo that the world was flat. He said, no, it's round. Society told Martin Luther King Black people should remain invisible humans. They were wrong. Society has been wrong for so many things, for so long. Once upon a time, in Jesus' time, men wore dresses. They called them robes or gowns. I don't care what you like to call it. Jesus never wore pants for a day, right? If you go to Scotland... The men wear their little kilt skirts and they're just as happy as a lark. You come to Texas, they call them cowboy boots, but they're high heels, honey. So it's all a matter of us saying society is choosing when to point a finger and when not to. So I never heard the word non-binary before. So I was like, what the heck is that? Really? How? How are you neither? How are you in between how? But I forgot that as a physician, I learned in medical school that you can be gender fluid. I learned that, but I forgot it. I pushed it to the back of my brain because I was conditioned to only think in the binary. But as a physician, I know that people are born intersex with both chromosomes of both male and female. When a baby is in your stomach, they first begin to form without a gender. And then 
some whatever hormones kick in based on the chromosomes or not. And then, you know what I mean? But, but a child today is born an assigned male or female by the doctor and their parents. The child had no say in it. But gender identity is your own internal sense of self, which means I can't take it from you. I can't teach it to you. I can't force it on you. Because that's how you see yourself. I see myself every day as a girly girl, all day, every day. My dad cries me all the time as a Herculean female. My father's words, because he says, you are doing all these things, raising your kids and just doing all these things as if you are a man. My father's words, the same man that he said, I have a very strong masculine spirit. My father. But when you put a, put a name to it, he doesn't want to accept it. You know, it's like, you can't be both. You have to be one or the other, sir. You either accept it or you don't. You can't say, sometimes I accept it and sometimes I don't. And that's what I want the world to, to understand. You can't pick and choose. Mm, yeah. And was this a journey that you went through yourself in accepting your child and, and their sexuality? Absolutely. Absolutely. I did not at the beginning. I pushed back like every other parent that I know. Now, it's not all the parents. I didn't say that. I say the ones that I know. We push back because like, wait, that doesn't, that doesn't even make sense. Like, what do you mean? That's what we all do. And that's why I say God has a crazy sense of humor. And God doesn't pick people to do the work that God doesn't think the people can do. And if you know about me, you know my pronouns for God are they, them. There's no way God can be a he, not with the kind of he's that I see. That's a disservice. So God is at the very least by gender because God made me in their image and I'm a girly girl, which means God has got a girl in there. God made my sons, the ones that are boys, in their image and likeness. So God is also a boy or a girl or a man. So God at the very least is by gender. Well, bi-gender people are queers. They're LGBT. So it's arguable that God is LGBT. So I struggled with that at the beginning. I was like, I don't know what this is. And I just prayed. I said, God, just help me to do the right thing by the kid. Help me to do the right thing by the child. Even as I was, all my bones in the body, my body were like, no, no, this can't be. This can't be. But God was like, well, it is deal with it. I didn't say your kid is dying. I didn't say any of that. I just said your kid is not who you thought they were. That's all I said. Mm. And so the, the fight is always with us. One of the things I say to the parents that I coach is we tend to replace our kids in the closet. <laughs> when the kids come out, we want to go back in because we don't want to, we don't, we want them to go back in, but they don't because they've come out. So we replace them. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to acknowledge it. We want to hush, hush it. The funny thing about it is I was married to my ex-wife at that time. And so both of us were like, what, what is that? It. So when I looked, I was like, what? And I said, well, maybe that's what, that's maybe, I mean, I know in Igbo land, we kind of sort of have something like that. And so I started leaning in slowly. And while I was trying to get my head around it, then she said, mom, I'm trans. I said, trans what? She said, she literally said, mom, I'm trans. So I'm like, trans what? You're transferring, you're transmitting. What are you transporting? Because I was like, 
Now, here's the problem with that, with my reaction. The entire time the child was growing up, I kept saying, stop acting like a girl. Stop acting like a girl. Stop doing your hair like that. Stop tying your waist like that. Stop walking. You're not a girl. Mm. Yeah. So that's why I, I had bargained with myself. I said, okay, maybe the kid is acting girly because the kid is gay. Okay. So we'll, we'll assign gay. That's what I did. I assigned gay. But the truth is, the day I asked the child if they were gay, the words were, mom, I'm not sure. The words I heard were, I'm gay. Because I wanted to hear that. But I'm not sure because sometimes kids are not sure. The other cue is questioning. And sometimes they're sure, but they don't want to tell you because they don't want you to react a certain way. So it's safer to say, I'm not sure. All of those things are possible. They don't want to be homeless. They know their friends who were kicked out for being, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to say anything. I have a friend today who says he would never, ever, ever admit that he's gay until his parents die because he doesn't want to be cut out of the inheritance. There are lots of reasons why people don't want to say what they don't want to do, what, you know, they don't want to come out. A lot of reasons. Mm. Hmm? Wow. You just don't realize how confusing it must be in the head of somebody who answers in that way and that is actually how they feel I just don't know I don't know how I don't know how I fit into the boxes that we're supposed to fit into and that is why suicide is Mm -hmm. a very available option let me put it that way Mm. for these humans why would it think about it Mm. everywhere you go there's a governor somewhere saying you're a freak. There's a church somewhere trying to crucify you. It's like, you know what? I'm out. Peace. Y'all can have the earth. Mm. That's why I want the parents to stop and think. Who do you know in their right mind today will say, let me have gay and transgender with a side of fries. No one. It's not desirable. Nobody wants it. Yeah. Except those who are. Yeah. And you mentioned suicide rates. What what are the statistics? Well, for the transgender, well, for the LGBTQ plus kids, according to the Trevor Project, in the last 12 months, 45 to 47% of these kids, so nearly half of them, have seriously considered ending their lives. But I believe a quarter of those are transgender or non-binary. Those who have seriously considered. In the past 12 months, 14% have attempted suicide. 14% of LGBTQ plus kids have attempted suicide. I don't remember if it's one in five of them are transgender or non-binary or gender non-conforming. So it's higher amongst them for obvious reasons. Mm. And just because I can, I'm going to mention that the studies show that 66% of women who had plastic surgery, cisgendered women, 66% of them who had plastic surgery regret the surgery. Two-thirds, 1% of transgender people detransition. I want to leave it at that. I'm not going to explain it. Mm. I want to, because numbers do not lie. 1%, I'll give you the reason, but I'm not going to explain it. The reason is because of pressure from the outside, those who transition. And so one person speaking out and screaming and shouting don't make all of them the same. Religion, 
culture, lack of access to healthcare, homelessness. These are real problems. Why some of them say, you know what? I'm not going to do this. Mm. Yeah. But two thirds of women, me included, because I had my girls done, you know, two thirds. Cause I'm like, oh, I don't think this nipple is as this or oh, whatever, you know? I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't have it because I've got this and that. And I am one of that two thirds. 66% chance of rain, you're going to have rain. 1% chance of rain, you're not going to have rain. But what do the politicians do? They make, a, they make that 1% like it's 100%. So I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. And I, I invite do. everybody who can hear my voice to go do your research because that's what everybody does now, right? Go, do your, go look at your numbers. And come back and let me know what you found. How can we reduce the rates of suicide? All the things I've talked about today is how we can reduce the rates of suicide. Suicide as an entity has never had one path to it. It's always multifactorial. It's always multifactorial. The drug companies want you to think it's just depression. Where well, where does depression come from? We had a child who was six months old and happy as a luck. Six years old and happy as a luck. 16 years old wants to kill himself. Something happened. So don't tell me it's just depression is just not a random thing. You just become depressed. You don't just become depressed. Everybody wants to think it's a chemical imbalance. When well, I have news for you, with all this talk about chemical imbalance in the last three to four years, the use and the prescription of antidepressants has quadrupled. In the last three to four years, suicide rates have also quadrupled. So tell me, a medication that has a side effect of suicidal ideation should not be used to treat somebody who has suicidal ideation. But what do I know, right? It has a black box warning. Rather than dealing with the trauma, that is a sure cause. In my first TED talk, I talk about that. There was a study done in 97 of so many thousands, 17,000 people. And they found out that those of them who had been traumatized as kids had a higher rate of mental health illnesses, heart disease, kidney disease, lung disease, and our very good friend, suicide. Trauma is the problem in the form of the church, in the form of parents' rejection, in the form of the legislation, in the form of all of the things we talked about today. I can tell you that four out of five children who attempt suicide leave a sign, but I'm not going to tell you how do you prevent? Everybody knows. You all, we all know. That's why suicide is usually a surprise. Oh my God. I just saw him last week. He was so happy. Yes, because they master this act of, oh, everything is fine. So they can throw you off the scent. Mm. Yeah. Very few people who die by suicide. And it's like, oh yeah, we knew that, that was going to happen. I've never heard anybody say that. Mm. Now, maybe somebody knew that they've been struggling with depression. But if you go deep down, that's why I love coaching because coaching asks you all the questions to get to the bottom of why this thing ever started, what actually happened. Mm. But you can give all the medicine you want if you don't tackle the problem today. Transgender children that die by suicide is not because they are trans, but that's what they want you to believe. They, they, my kid told me today, mom, I've never been happier in my life. She's going through her transition. She has a mother who supports her till I die. She said, I've never been happier. She said, whatever happens, happens. If somebody wants to kill me today, I died happiest. 
That's a transgender person speaking, a black trans woman for that matter. So I want us to celebrate trans joy. Everything I've talked about up until now has not been about trans joy. But the truth is most trans people, they are the happiest because now they are living authentically. On their own, they're the happiest until they meet you. Who wants to kill them? Yeah. They're happy. And I want people to take that home. We need to celebrate more trans joy. Yes, to get to trans joy is difficult. One of the things I talk about in my workshops is every black trans adult was once a black trans child. We don't see them as once being kids. But at the age of four, most, if not all, children know their gender identity. So at the age of four, fill in the blanks. If they don't tell you till they are 41, it doesn't mean that they didn't know. Maybe they didn't understand it. They might not want to tell you because of you, not because of them, because of you and how you're going to react. That's why they don't want to tell you. You're going to put them on medication. You're going to force them to go through conversion therapy, which is basically rape and fake prayers to try to change someone. They forcibly rape them. Do you know that that's what they do to try to convert them? Wow. Ask someone who is a survivor to tell you what it's like, truly like to go through conversion therapy. They call it therapy. I have to talk about these things. Nobody wants to hear, but somebody has to talk about it. Mm. And yet there are some doctors, there are some preachers, there are some teachers, there are parents who are like, oh yeah, that's what I want for my child. Really? And then you're surprised that the child runs away. Those are the ways to prevent suicide. All the things I talked about. Because mm. it's not one thing. Yeah. I mean, you can summarize it with love and understanding, but screw understanding. I'll tell you why. Because sometimes the kids don't even understand it themselves. However, if you truly approach it with unconditional love and curiosity, and how can I help you? We will not have the suicide rates that we have right now. And yet the studies show that it only takes one trusting adult for a child who is suicidal to thrive. And then with the high rate of suicide, that means that the adults are failing the kids every day. But they'd rather tell you to take an antidepressant. They don't want to deal with that. Mm, yeah, and that's so true isn't it like it is just having that one person and it doesn't matter who you are in the world and what you're going through it is all about having that one person and it's the same for everybody we all just need to be accepted for who we are and when we're not accepted for who we are we're putting on a mask and we are hiding and we are then unable to tell anybody what is actually going on and so we go and commit suicide I mean this is not a difficult concept to understand. It's just... Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for saying that. It's not a difficult concept. I have been suicidal. I know. I have looked it in the eye. Mm. Yes. I had to file for bankruptcy because my ex-husband didn't pay taxes for X amount of years. And the IRS came a calling. And I was like, oh my God, I'm out of here. Bye. I'm here today because my ex-wife said, not on my watch. She looked me in the eye and said, we got this. We're, we're gonna we're gonna get through this. But I felt like a failure. I felt like I had disappointed myself. Something happened. I wasn't just like, oh, I'm just depressed. I want people to understand that. Mm. And then I start thinking about it and ruminating and thinking about how bad I am and how I did these bad things. And oh my God, I should have known and I hate myself. Mm. And all of a sudden, leaving this world becomes a very nice option. Mm. If I tell you now that it's your thoughts that make you jump, they're going to say, oh my God, she's a quack. She's selling snake oil. So I don't, but that's the truth. 
Mm. Depression really truly is focusing and ruminating on something that has already happened. Mm. You can't let go of it because you feel so bad. Mm. Yes, the antidepressants work. Of course, they help adjust the hormones, but something usually has happened. While we can't prevent all trauma, I ask you to prevent the one that you can. Yeah. And realistically, yes. the reason that we feel so bad and all of that shame is because of what we've been told. Yes. We, we're told that if we fail, then we're, we're not good enough. You know, it's just all of those messages. It feels like it should be much simpler to solve this <laughs> than it is. I mean, it just, it just seems to be quite quite a simple concept but there's so much entrenched conditioning it's going to take some time so Dr Lulu you're doing so much good work in this space you have a book you are coaching parents of queer children Mm -hmm. you're running workshops and support groups can you tell us more about what you're offering and where people can find you Oh, thank you so much. So my website is dr-lulu.com. I mean, it's a website, so it's there. You can go in there. You can send me a message if you like. My, I think, I guess, gift at this point to your listeners will be my, it's a little ebook, for lack of a better word. It's a PDF of seven top mistakes that parents make when their kids share who they really are with them. Mm-hmm. If you, you notice that as much as possible, I try not to use the word come out because after my second TED talk, you know, I'm talking about how we need to create safe spaces so that the kids can invite us in. And so I don't use, the, I say it, but not as much as I, I did in the past. So the top seven mistakes that parents make when their kids invite them in, when their kids share about their, their reality with them. So that's my free PDF. I think it's dr-lulu.com forward slash podcasts something like that should take you there and you can just download it and enjoy but also my book which one of these is i'm going to finish it i'm i've just been like really lazy so this is my book that's titled invited in how to become the parent your lgbt child needs it's not done this is actually a this is a my journal but this is the cover of the book and you'll be ready one day i'm just I'm just like doing everything else but that. I have to stop and slow down and actually finish the book. And that's the problem. But yeah, so there's that. And then let me see. And I have a a weekly parent support group. And that's how we started. And that's how it's going to be. We meet every Monday at 6 p.m. Central. It's parents of LGBT plus kids. It's not trans. It's not black. It's just whoever. I think we're at, at nine or 10 now of us. And we started with one. And we just kind of been growing together. We just share our wins. We share our struggles together. That's on Monday nights at 6 p.m. I would really, really like any parent who is struggling with understanding what's going on, who wants to do better by their child. I would really encourage them to look into that. It's, I think it's available on my website. It might be forward slash coaching. But if you go to my website, you will find all these things. And or you can just find me on social media and send me a DM on Instagram as Dr. Lulu Talk Radio, because I used to have a talk radio, a talk show. I'm also on LinkedIn as Dr. Lulu, first name Uchenna, last name Ume. And YouTube, you can watch all my videos. I have three podcasts. I'm always talking to people. I'm always talking. I want people to just know 
that this is something that is not going away. It's not, it's bigger than legislation. It's bigger than, you know, the church is bigger than, you know, it's, it's, it's not going away. We've had queer people on earth since the days before Jesus. We're going to always have queer people. And one of the things I want to end with is I want to say if, if, if they could round up all the queer people today and kill all of us today in 10 months, new ones will be born. In 40 weeks, new ones will be born because heterosexual people make homosexual people. So you can't get rid of us. And I think in the U.S. it's like 7.1% as of 2021, 7.1% of U.S. adults identify as LGBT. But that number is definitely higher because we have the bisexuals who don't want to say anything, right? We have many people who will go to their grave denying because of society. So I know that that number is much, much, much higher. But the official number is 7.1% as of 2021, 2022 or 21, I don't know. So, but that number has doubled since 2012. More and more people are raising up their hands now because of the, the you know, the same-sex marriage thing. So more people are, you know, raising up their hands. So thank you so much for the opportunity. I hope people go get my books. My favorite workshop is the one that is titled Intersectionality of the Black Trans Child where I talk about understanding the Black trans child or the Black queer child, just understanding who are they. Because your child or your children may very well be LGBT and they will never tell you. So your job is to hang out with Dr. Lulu and learn what, what you need to learn to create a safe space so that the kids can invite you into their world. Otherwise, they will leave you and they'll go and still be themselves anyway, which is what happened with my child. So I'm talking about this because I... This was a lived experience. This happened to me. When she went off to, to Stanford, she changed her pronouns and the rest is history because I did not create a safe space in the house for her to share. So I've made the mistakes so you don't have to make the mistakes. Yeah. That's it. That's all I have. Oh, Dr. Lulu, thank you so much. It's been such a powerful conversation. Everything you've said is so important it's an important conversation that we've had today so thank you so much for your time i appreciate it i appreciate it so go find me dr-lulu.com but do get the seven mistakes that parents make it's, it's an easy read it's a fun read it's got all of me in it my personality is all over that share with a friend tell a friend and if y'all have any events you need a speaker please let me know because i'm happy to come and and educate y'all so thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please Share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week.